This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome into the NBA Morning Deuce for Wednesday, March 17th. You know what that means, Alex. St. Patrick's Day? It is St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Really took a stab in the dark. It is St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you and yours. Because I know in your house, St. Patrick's Day is a really big deal. Ruane is an Irish last name, believe it or not. I'm not even kidding. I'm 50% Irish, yeah. So happy thank you thank you are you gonna be out in the streets getting ham-fisted with everybody up there in philly (laughs) oh no there won't be any ham-fisting that i know about i mean i don't know could i mean i think well i think there's gonna be plenty of ham-fisting maybe just not by you oh if yeah if it's a st patty's day in philly there's gonna be ham-fisting but i I don't think i'll be a part of it now well i definitely won't be a part of it but for everybody who is gonna be a part of it be safe and don't get too ham-fisted you know now you're now you're just and you're wear just a mask applying it and, and wear a mask it. and wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't done St. Patrick's Day in a long time. I don't think that's like a college holiday. You know, I feel like I don't know. I did it. Well, when I lived in Charlotte, Charlotte does like a St. Patrick's Day bar crawl. It's like one of the biggest mm-hmm. in the country. So when I lived there, I did it every year. Yeah. Yeah. That I, was post. But I was in as my 20s. That was yeah. my 20s. I'm, it's been so long, man. It's not us anymore. Man. It's not us, man. Now, what do we do? We record a talk podcast every NBA. night. We talk about the NBA. And boy, I'm glad, actually, that you... I want to just get started in the fourth quarter, like we normally do of these late games. But you wanted to wait, and that's a good, it's a good, good gosh darn thing we did tonight because... Yeah, there were some... There's some interesting games to talk about, but not many great games until... Dame time, Dame time. Now, not your typical Dame time, not the Dame time we've become accustomed to, but Dame time nonetheless, because you, I texted you with about four minutes left in this game, Portland, New Orleans. And I was like, you want to just get started? And you're like, no, I want to watch Dame time. And I was like, they're not, you think they're coming back? You're like, yeah, dude, they just scored eight straight. Like this is, these are coming back. Yeah. And this was, oh my boy, did they. It was about the quickest 13-point run I've ever seen, I think. I'm trying to figure out at what point in time Portland was down 17 because it was like with like four minutes left. I don't know. It, it was nuts. And then, yeah, they went on the stream. Okay, with with six minutes left, Portland was down 17, and they charge back. Awesome finish. Yep. Portland ended up winning 125-124. And, and I will say Dame ends up with 50. He made the free throws at the end of the game to put them up by one point and seal the game. So that's why it wasn't your typical damn time. It wasn't, he didn't nail a step back three to his left. Like he always does when he 
puts mm-hmm. the team away, but he got fouled end of game um, goes for 50 and a great night for my bold prediction of him being top three in MVP on multiple fronts. One, obviously yet another comeback win for the Blazers that Dame wins in the end goes for 50. So another, this is an MVP performance that you look back on, you say like 50 against a team that has been playing really good surging lately, the Pelicans. Mm -hmm. And they had been struggling by the way, that they've been up and down the Blazers that, and then also at halftime, it was either halftime. Yeah. It had to be halftime. Dwayne Wade saying Mm. Dwayne Wade saying, Damian Lillard needs to be in this MVP conversation. No one is talking about Damian Lillard in the MVP conversation. Man. Well, D Wade, while I appreciate the sentiment because I agree, it's not no one that's been talking about Damian Lillard in the MVP conversation. I've been talking about Damian Lillard in the MVP conversation. And you know what? Hopefully now that D Wade has said it, it'll be in the in the in the conscience of the rest of NBA Twitter or media or fans or whatever. And we get this ball rolling because he truly does deserve to be in the conversation. He has carried this team almost single-handedly this entire season. It is, they've had some other good players. Melo's played pretty well. And then they get contributions here and there from the Gary Trents and the Simons and the Robert Covington act actually kind of looks like dog shit again, but <laughs> um, it's been all Dame and from a value standpoint, it's hard to find many other guys, save for maybe, I don't know, Jimmy Butler in Miami, LeBron right now for the Lakers without AD. There's not a lot of other guys that are single-handedly the most valuable player like that, that if you took them off their team, they are horrendous right now. Yeah, okay, I'm frustrated because now we know Dwayne Wade doesn't listen to the podcast, which sucks, because we said it, we absolutely said it. I think I mentioned it, you know, could he trickle into the MVP conversation before the All-Star break? And then you came out with your bold prediction, top three in MVP voting. Um, did, like, Was that you? Yes, we can check the tape on that. I actually, I I do believe I was the first to, to bring it up. We can check the Were tape you? on it. Yeah, because I remember every time you say, you know, that's a pretty good point. That's like a feather in my cap. You know? Oh, well, I have and one of those tonight, but go ahead. I have one of those for you tonight, but oh, not involving okay. this game. Anyway, I mean, there's just no way this team should be 23 and 16, <laughs> except for Damian Lillard playing out of his goddamn mind. And this is like your, this is one of your MVP moments. I mean, he's had a bunch already, but a 50 spot and a 17 point comeback. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned how. I mentioned yesterday, I think it was, that he has seven shots to put his team in the lead in the last two minutes of a game in a win this year. Mm-hmm. So now I don't think that they count free throws in that, but this now is eight. Oh, if you they count should. Yeah, they should count free but throws. But it, it's it's field goals, like the okay. search. It's a search. So I did a yeah. basketball reference search, like made field goal to take the lead mm-hmm. in the last two minutes of fourth quarter and overtime in a win. Okay. Uh, he has seven of those type of shots, but now, you know, obviously he – he makes these free throws, which won't count in that, but that's eight. And I'm sure that search doesn't include everything. So maybe there's more. Maybe I mean, it's just, more. yeah, it's just, and, and even more to that point, when, when I talk about franchise players, every time when, when we have this discussion on any podcast, but here it's happened a lot. When we talk about what I talk about that differentiates the greatest players in the league from the all-star level next tier, is the ability 
to score at the end of a game. That's it. Like to me, it's the most, it is the most important skill that you could possibly have as a basketball player, because at the end of the day, there are so many times where these scenarios happen close games, especially in the playoffs, who's going to be the guy. You can't just run offense. Ultimately you're running offense to get it to a guy like a Damian Lillard. And right now for my money, I don't think, and I'm, I gotta say, even KD might even be on this list. I don't know that there's a guy that I want the ball in his hands more at the end of a game right now than Damian Lillard. At this exact moment in time, yes, I'm with you. Like at it's this just, point he, in this season, the yeah. way he's playing, it's it's Guy, unbelievable. It's ridiculous, and he, I just keep pointing back at how shorthanded they are, and he, they're still winning games. So CJ McCollum was back tonight, so that's huge mm-hmm. for them. Uh, I think he was on a minutes limit, right? Because he wasn't in there at the mm-hmm. end of the game because he had hit that 25, 26 minutes limit. I think. Um, man, what a win! We probably do have to t- talk about the Pelicans melting yeah, for sure. down again. Yeah, God. their defense is just horrible. It's, yeah, it's, it's bad, terrible. Um, and I don't. I, part of it is coaching. It's it's, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and talk like, oh, I I know more about how to coach a team than Stan Van Gundy. But at the but there's got to be a better option at the end of games in pick and rolls than having Stephen Adams in there in the pick and rolls just playing soft coverage the way he does because. He's not athletic enough to get up and trap. He's not athletic enough to hedge. So he plays that little, you know, where he he gets up a little bit, but he's playing a little further back so that there's no dribble penetration. But you can't do that against Damian Lillard. He's no. going to fucking pick you apart, whether it's him getting a bucket or him finding guys on the rotations. And that is a big part of what got them back in the game. It just was happening over and over and over. And Van Gundy just didn't adjust. It's just weird because they have athletes. They have athletes. They could go small. They could go with Zion at the five and switch everything, which may and probably not the answer against Damian Lillard either. But you could switch and trap stuff. Like, like you could switch everything and trap Damian Lillard, get the ball out of his hands and make someone else beat you. Because ultimately at the end of the game like that, like if, if Zion's at the five, and they put Zion in a pick and roll and you trap it. And then you have to, and then Dame's able to get rid of it to Gary Trent or whoever else is in the game. And you have to rotate and have a mismatch. Wouldn't you rather have, I don't know, Brandon Ingram guarding Gary Trent. Mm-hmm. And then or, if Gary Trent makes a play, you'll live with that. That's what I mean. Like yeah. you'd rather that than just playing your normal pick and roll coverage against arguably the best closer in the NBA at the moment. Mm-hmm. And maybe that we've seen, in a long time in terms of just consistently doing it game after game. Yeah. It's getting, it's getting outrageous and it's so fun to watch. Uh, so th- it's the biggest thing right now with the Pelicans. It's the, these de- the defense. And I just, I feel like there's more Van Gundy could be doing to address it. And he just, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I, a lot of times coaches, especially coaches who've been around as long as he has and who've had success, they do their thing their way and they want to drill it into, especially a, a young team who they look at as we're not there yet. We're building the right habits. So it could be one of these things where it's, well, I'm not going to change up just to win this game because mm-hmm. we need to learn how to do it the right way. I don't, I don't know what the right way. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's what his thing is. I'm just saying like, 
At some and, point, you got to get Steven Adams out of those pick and rolls. <laughs> right. Well, there could be some merit to what you just said in terms of drilling that in like the fundamentals. But it also, to me, is maybe the, the game has changed so much to the point where Stan Van Gundy's defensive fundamentals need some tweaking a little bit. Like I would. I, OK, I would. I would agree to that. It has changed since he last coached. I mean, it, it's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And for as an example, well, I'll, I could tell you later, but as an example, Miami tonight held another opponent under 100 points. That's the 12th time this year. I look to see what's the most a team has held, uh, it, how many, like, uh, their opponent under 100 in a season. Um, the most ever was the 0304 Pistons, 78 times. Wow. <laughs> so, oh my God. so just and that, I, I think that just sort of speaks to what you're saying, which is that, that wasn't even 20 years ago. And think about how much the NBA has changed mm-hmm. just in that. So, um, and I, and he was coaching the heat at that time. Mm-hmm. So yes, that would be true. But I also think the argument against that would be, he's been very active as an announcer. Like he's watched, it's not like he hasn't been around the game and he watches mm-hmm. games every night and he calls games. He's studying tape. He knows like we, he's a smart coach. Sometimes yeah, coaches are I, just stubborn. Like, I don't I, think the game has passed him by or anything. Uh, I, you know, sometimes coaches, yeah, it's, and sometimes it's just too much. Sometimes the best player wins the game. Mm-hmm. It's the NBA too. Sometimes. Well, when you well have, I, I mean, at this point with how bad the Pelicans D is, there's something right, right. wrong. Like yeah, whether it's stubbornness or his guys aren't good yeah. at defending. I mean, well, but now there's that. There's also like, dude, Brandon Ingram. You, how do you miss two free throws at the end of the game? Yeah, that was horrible. They that win the really game. Bad. I mean, they win the game if he makes one free throw probably, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of things you could point to, but the defense, yeah, if the defense isn't so awful, then how many points did Portland end up scoring in the fourth quarter? Do you have 43. it? 43. I mean, that's just – That's the that's game. A, yeah, that's I mean, unacceptable. can't happen. Can't happen. Um, I – Every time I watch, I know I talk about it every time I watch this team, but every time I watch Lonzo, I like him more and more. Yeah, you're extremely high on. Oh my God, 17 assists tonight. Yeah. I did not catch that number until just yeah. now. Yeah, he's incredible. I, I said it, and I and I'm I said it before we started recording, and I'm going to stand by it. I think he's trending toward eventually being a top 10 point guard in the league, and it's a lot of it is because of the way his shots developed, but he just has an all around game, mm-hmm. and I'm it's just and then that pass at the end. They're replaying it right now. Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard makes the free throw. Lonzo Ball gets it out of the net, off of his back foot, throws a Hail Mary on a dime. Could not be more perfect. To Zion at the elbow. And Zion almost with one second left. He, yeah, that's the best way to put it it couldn't have been in a more perfect spot for Zion to get an opportunity to win the game. It was Mm -hmm. one of the most perfect full court passes I've ever seen. It was almost like one of the greatest plays we've seen. It was essentially, it was Duke Christian (laughs) Leitner. Like it was that it was almost that exact play. Mm -hmm. It was nuts. It was, and this, what we're talking about with Lonzo is the perfect case of what we bring up a lot. I mean, the guy's 23, but he's been in the league four years. Like, I just feel like, and I do it all the time. We write guys off so early after disappointing one, two, even three years in, 
in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so just we, I got to be more careful doing that. But he's a different player than what he was to start his career because he's just so young. But it's also situational. Like we yes, we write yes. them off. We write them off because they may maybe don't have the skill. We also we also don't tend to, and it's becoming more in the conscience of NBA fans. But we tend to not look at the situation. We tend to blame. Like this is the thing that Draymond was harping on, right? That mm-hmm. we tend to blame it on the player instead of the situation. But Lonzo's first couple of years in the league, how much of a shit show was that? I mean, who's who was developing his coach was Luke Walton. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. But the thing that blows me away is that th- there's still these reports that keep coming out that they're willing to trade Lonzo Ball. I mean. Maybe I'm higher than Lon- on Lonzo than I should be right now, but I think if they trade Lonzo Ball and don't get back a point guard of equal value, which they, I'm assuming they wouldn't, this team would go into the absolute shitter. This team would be bad without Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. He's their best defensive player in their starting lineup. I think by a long shot. And he makes the team run. He's also – and Brandon Ingram's a great scorer – Alonzo Ball is also by far the best shooter in their starting lineup right now, mm-hmm. which is a, a crazy thing to think about, but he is by far the best shooter in that starting lineup. You move that guy off this team, you're basically saying this ain't the year. Yeah. Well, I think the, the thing we don't know is the negotiation aspect of it. If he's asked, and we talked about this before the pod, if his agent and he are like, I'm a max player, then, you know, then it makes some more sense because we both kind of think, that would be a mistake, but I think, yeah, I'm with you. Most just, point guards are not max players, but yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm with you. They need, if, if they want this thing to progress, that would be a bad trade. Um, but I also, I'll tell you, I will say this though, with Brandon Ingram and Zion, what they are being your two franchise players, it's going to be tough for them to get a better point guard in New Orleans than Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. You're not going to trade for a better point guard the way he's playing. So you're, you would either have to sign one in free agency. No one's going there. No matter who you got, even if with Zion, no, no top 10 point guard is choosing to sign in new Orleans and free agency. And so then you got to draft one. Are you going to draft one? Like that's going to come in and immediately be better than long ball. They just drafted like Kyra Lewis jr. Was a lottery pick. They just drafted. I doubt he's the answer, but. I'm just saying like, yeah, no, I, I hear you it's... with, with this team. I think you also, but I think when you're in a market like this, you have to consider the fact that you're not going to get big name free agents to come there. So signing right. a guy on his bird rights to that, you can sign to, and you could like, you could bring if, even if it's overpaying him, you're almost in a situation where he's becoming so important to your team that you maybe have to overpay him to stay. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to overpay him today but you work out one of these situations where you're like, look, dude, we're going to pay you your money. Just chill the fuck out. Let us go. Let us go sign the other guys that we need to put this thing together. And then we'll sign you because we can, because we can sign you last and go over the cap to sign you. Mm-hmm. So yes. Does, does he, is he a max player? No, but sometimes in these kind of markets, you have to overpay. And I'd be shocked if his agents out here saying he's a max player. I, I mean, I, I don't know who his agent is, but I'd be, I'd be shocked. Man, they, these guys are, for the most part, a little smarter than that, I think. Hope so. 
But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I would not trade him. Would not trade him right now. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, what a game for Dame. Great game. Great game. Like Zion had a really good game too. By the way, K- keeps having good games. And Ingram. I mean, it was just a great game in general. So yeah, it was great, fantastic. great all around game. That last couple minutes was was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the other national TV, the other TNT game tonight was Utah Boston, um, and. This is where I was going to say this is good on you because you've brought this up before, probably this week, but you've brought it up a couple times, which is just Utah's, and they because they brought it up on the broadcast. I think we're seeing now, even though they won this game, we're. I think we have to come to the realization that a big part of the reason why Utah was so good in the first half of the season is because they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as these other good teams start to get better, they're not as good. They're they're not bad. They're just not as good as their record indicates. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that they've only had three different starting lineups this year. That's, That's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, you know, so yeah, they're, they're probably a little bit better than we anticipated them in the, in the beginning of the season, but they're not as good as their record shows right now. I would, I would, that's where I stand as we head into this, uh, like the home stretch at the end of the season here. But this is a nice win for them. Yeah. 117, I mean, 109. Well, especially the they, they lost four of their last six and they yeah. had only been beating bad teams. So, I mean, obviously, I think a big thing is that the Celtics are just not totally there yet. Um, but watching this game, if this was a seven game series, I'd pick the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would too. Because I think in, in the end, the Celtics have the two best players on the floor and over a seven game series, they would adjust and figure things out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and we saw it in this game, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were the two best players in this game. Utah was deeper and their bench was better. And that got the best of Boston who right now is still getting back to normal. Marcus smart, just getting back. No Tristan Thompson in this game. Not sure what the deal is with that. Um, so I think he's on COVID protocol. Actually, I saw it today. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Utah. I, I text you. I said, I've seen Utah. I forgot who I saw Utah has been compared to this year. The people have been comparing them to the Hawk, that Hawks team that won uh, a million games, 60 games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, I, they remind me watching them now. They're a little bit more like the Raptors with DeRozan and Lowry to me. It's like, like that team, they have a, a an all-star backcourt, but neither of them's really like elite the, the franchise yeah. guy that's going to take you to a title, right? And Donovan Mitchell and Conley, similar to Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. You got the you got Gobert, who there was no one on that Raptor team like Gobert, but they did have Serge Ibaka, who every year is was a defensive player of the year type of player. Not, not towards the end of his time in Toronto, but he was still their anchor. And they had Jonas Valanciunas, who's Magic Johnson's favorite player, say favorite center. And then the, a staple of that Raptors team was how good their bench was. And that's become the thing with Utah, with Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors. So it's a very similar thing where it's like they're going to win a ton of games. And I think that last year before they traded for Kawhi, they won 58 games. 
and they lost in the conference finals. So that's not a bad thing. Right. It's just, they remind me of that team in a sense that they just, no matter how good they are in the regular season, they just don't have enough to get over the hump. Yeah. And I guess the same thing applies in the sense that if you traded Donovan Mitchell for a top five player in the league, this would be a title team, just like the Raptors upgraded DeRozan to top five player. They get their ring. They're just, they just so rarely have the best player on the floor and Mm -hmm. and it hurts them. But I I think this team is more talented than that Hawks team was. Yeah. And the, yeah. And the Raptors too, probably. Right. I think they're pretty close, man. Cause that Raptors team also had coming off the bench. Yeah. Their bench was Siakam, Van Fleet, Norm Powell, um, you know, they, they, they were young, mm-hmm. but that, that was their – I mean, their bench was crazy. Yeah. Probably better and deeper than this bench is. This bench just has Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles. But it's a very similar situation. Atlanta didn't have – I mean, I think all those guys were, like, considered – but that team was starting Kyle Korver, Damari Carroll, uh, Paul Mill. Like, Paul Millsap was very good. It's always very good. Jeff Teague, like that team wasn't. Their best player was Al Horford. Yeah, yeah. And that's not a bad thing, especially mm-hmm. at that time. But that the team was just sort of well coached. They they were very they're different, I think. Than they, yeah. uh, this this Utah team is way more talented than that team was. I think. Yeah, I'm with that, and yeah, I mean they've got and the best defender. I mean Horford is a great defender, but. Yeah, but Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year. Yeah, like I think they have like that one elite piece that um, the Hawks did not have necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that Boston will end up putting it together this year. But if I was going to, you know, like I, I could see them. This is the type of team Utah, like Boston's the type of team that Utah would over a, a long series have trouble with because they just – they don't, I don't think they have enough to, to, to ultimately slow down Jalen Brown and Tatum over a stretch, mm-hmm. which is going to be a problem for them against any of the top teams in the West because they all have multiple stars, even, even the Suns. Yep. Like, like, think about it. The, the, you know, Utah's thing right now is their backcourt. They got Rudy, Rudy Gobert defensively, but they're carried by Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody media coaches, fans that would take Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell over Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Well, no, you'd be crazy to do that. That's what I'm saying. So like even Phoenix has a better backcourt and that your backcourt is what your strength is right now for this team Mm -hmm. or Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You know what I mean? Like when they're healthy, it's just, there's a lot of bad matchups in that West for Utah. Mm -hmm. Well, they're going to win a lot of regular season games. Though. They are. They're going to win a shitload of those. Uh, okay, let's talk about – so I'd say up until about this most recent stretch, I think most people would have had Quinn Snyder as the favorite for coach of the year. Oh, I think I, think, I know where this is going. I think that is not only – like I don't think it's just changed. I think it's a – like at, at, if, the end, if the season ended today, Doc Rivers is coach of the year and it's not particularly close. To me, look, look, I gotta just take the time to say how wrong I was about my reaction to the hire. I, I just, I wasn't excited about the hire. I wasn't thrilled about the hire as a diehard Sixers fan. I thought it was like more of the safe hire. 
but I don't think I could have been more wrong. Like this guy has made pieces work like just perfectly. Uh, Daryl Morey, I mean, a lot like these moves have been fantastic, but for them to be rolling like this without Embiid is awesome. They get a, a really solid win over the Knicks, 99-96. But yeah, Doc Rivers is the coach of the year right now, 100%. Um, they've won six in a row now. How many without Embiid? Two? Three? I think it's three without Embiid. Um, yeah, he got hurt. So they, they've had COVID, they've had COVID situ- situations earlier in the year, kept winning games. They now have this Embiid situation. They they've won three in a row, six in a row overall. They still have the best record in the East. Uh people are turning a corner on what they think about Ben Simmons, which is a very you wouldn't have expected that coming this year. There was a lot of hate on Ben Simmons's game, which I think there still is by some people, but yeah, he's Doc Rivers is openly out in public talking about Ben Simmons is the defensive player of the year today. Um, and I don't know if you saw his comment about Matisse Thibault after the game. Ben Simmons he, comment about Thibault? No, 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 Doc Rivers. I saw that Ben Simmons said if Thibault got as many minutes as me, he'd be the defensive player. Something along well, so Doc asked was asked about Thibault's defense in this one, and he said, um, he said for, um, he said something for an average player, it's a good game, but for him, it was just an average game, and he knows that. And I told hmm. him that, and he said he owes me one, something, something like that, like wow. Something like really praising what his defense could be. Yeah. Uh, I think Doc just has these guys playing with a different level of confidence than we've ever seen. That we ever yeah. than we ever saw from the Brett Brown. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I guess this is stuff that's forged in practice or just scheme. It's just the everything is working better. And to Tob- the Tobias Harris thing is unbelievable because he's he looks night and day. He really does. He looks night and day. To what he did last season not that he had a bad season last year but he's just he's just so good right now he goes for 30 tonight um I, i'm trying to like temper my expectations because we know how good the nets are but like i'm i'm just super excited about this team i want to go back to like the predictions from the beginning of the year that we did mm-hmm. i feel like i may have said doc rivers was going to win coach of the year because i said they were going to win a ton of regular season games with him I was on that pretty early, right? That they were going to win a ton of regular season games. And that, because Doc, that's what Doc does. He wins a lot in the regular season mm-hmm. and then loses. Well, we'll have, definitely have to check the tape for, because I, just, I feel like if you had said that, I would have. Oh, no, I think we both picked Spo. Yes, we did. We actually did, yeah. But I think I was high on Doc in terms yeah. of regular season and putting and making making it work for the regular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was if you had if you had said Doc Rivers, I think I would have remembered that conversation just because of how like underwhelmed I was with the hire. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. At the time. Um, well, I'll say this. The coach of the year competition this year has a chance to be pretty incredible because you had Doc, 
obviously got Quinn Snyder, depending on how the rest of their second half goes. I think you have to have Monty Williams in that conversation. Yes. They have a, I picked them to finish with the best record in the NBA. And how could he not get it if that happens? Now you got the Heat who have won 11 of 12. They've won five in a row. And a lot of that is just Jimmy Butler returning, but still they're about to be a top. I think they are now fourth, right? In the East. Mm-hmm. They're fourth in the East. And they have a legitimate shot to move up because they just they're playing incredible. Um, so that's four. James Borrego, they're a game. The Hornets are one game out of being the four seed in the East. That shouldn't be happening. <laughs> yeah, it should not be. And before we talk about the Heat, we gotta. I, I gotta talk about the question that's been on my mind all night, which is, could an interim coach be coach of the year? Is that a thing that could possibly happen for a coach that basically took over midway through the season? Because Nate McMillan is now eight and one as the Hawks coach. They're back to 500. They've won six in a row since Lloyd Pierce got fired. Now, granted they're playing terrible teams, but it doesn't matter. They were losing to terrible teams earlier in the year and they're still not healthy. I don't think it's possible because I don't know that he'll have enough games. Why not though? It's I know. Like if they can can, it's a hard a bigger challenge. If they could come, they they beat now again, now again, they beat the Rockets tonight, who have now lost 17 in a row. Woof. But if they can somehow climb back into the top four, which a lot of people expected them to be in that range this year, and he they keep winning at this clip, could he be in the conversation for coach of the year? Has to be if they get to that. If they they well, they're they not far. This. No, I know. I mean, but he has to be just because he's an interim should not impede that. I wouldn't. I mean, to me, that would be more of a reason he would get my vote. He wasn't even the, the he wasn't even the coach to start the year, and and he's eight and one. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some level of regression, I think. But yeah, let's see what their schedule is heading forward. But yeah, I like if it's not Spo because of my connection to South Florida and the fact that I have, I, I win a thousand bucks if Spo gets it. Um, it'd be fucking cool to see, especially because he got fired when he shouldn't have gotten fired. And then he comes back, takes over and potentially like, it would be awesome. Mm-hmm. It'd be so cool. Be they, their story. next game's OKC. So they should win that game. They're literally, they're putting a literal G league team out on the floor right now. If you watch their games and they're still mm-hmm. competing, but it's crazy. Uh, and then they go, oh my God. Then they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight game road trip, West Coast. Hmm. All right. So that'll be uh, kind of sack up time to see what they're really made yeah, of. Yeah. And it's, it's Lakers, Clippers, Kings, uh, Warriors, Nuggets, Suns, Spurs, Pelicans. <laughs> oh my God. That's brutal. I mean, that is brutal. So that's going to be How does really. That, I, I like, if I was an NBA GM, if I was a GM and I saw that come out, I'd be like, dude, what? <laughs> I would call the league and be like, what are you guys thinking in a COVID year, in a pandemic year where we got to fly around and you're going to, you're basically setting us to just go get shitted on every night. It's, it's starting out with the two LA teams. So like just the two, as two, games as hard as they could possibly be and then okay you've got six more road games after that like right and and the only game in that one that you're like okay we should win is sacramento but you're coming Mm. off of probably getting ham-fisted by Mm. the two la teams yeah 
that's a that's a brutal. I I would I'd be interested if any team has had a road trip like that this year. Mm-hmm. I am sure somebody has, but that that list of teams that's crazy. And then they come back home and play Golden State and New Orleans at home. Okay, so to answer your question, it's too soon to to determine whether right. he's could win coach of the year if they come out of that like five yeah, and I mean, three or something. That now we're talking. Yeah, I mean, like, what if they don't lose a game the rest of the year and he goes undefeated? I think he should get it at that point. Then I, I do think he yeah, would get would, my vote in that scenario. Be pretty good. That would be pretty good. Uh, the Rockets, man, it just sucks, dude. They actually made a run in this game. I watched the fourth quarter. They and they only lost, they lost by twelve, but they were only down by like two points at one point. And wow. this guy, Victor Oladipo, is out here. He had thirty four. He played really well. He's out here shooting like thirty five foot threes right now. His guys. <laughs> He's awesome. just kind of just out there hooping. And Kevin Porter Jr. had another Boy, good game. Kevin Porter Jr., man. He is – he. this ascension is is pretty cool to see. You know what's um, fun? Oh, yeah, for sure. Just it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. After what happened in Cleveland. Unceremonious exit. Mm-hmm. It's funny watching these type of teams that are playing a bunch of G League guys too because they were losing the whole game. They've lost 16 in a row. And – Mason Jones, who I've never heard of until he started playing for the Rockets, who was one for five from three, the one three that he made, he turned to the Hawks bench and was like yelling at them. (laughs) I love that. He was just like, I was like, dude, what? Was that a big spot in the game? It was. It was. I think it it cut the lead for sure. But they were on a run and he hit a three. I mean, Mm. it was a big spot and they – they don't win games. So it's a big moment, but still it was just, mm, I, awesome. it looked like he like yelled in like one of the Hawks coaches <laughs> face or the, uh, uh, yeah, the Hawks coaches face. I love it. Was, it. It was very funny. And the Hawks announcers were very excited for him. <laughs> and they were, and I thought at that moment, I was like, they were like Mason Jones with another big shot. And I was like, Oh, this guy must be killing it. He had nine points <laughs> one for five for three. Um, They also, I don't know if, if it's a Houston thing or what, but Kenyon Martin Jr. They kept calling him KJ Martin. And I don't know if really? he's, if he goes by KJ, but I just thought he was Kenyon Martin Jr. I don't yeah, know. I've never heard KJ Martin. I mean, um, they're just getting confused because of the junior at the end. Yeah, but it's the Rockets broadcasters. I know, but those guys are all clowns. That's true. Uh, uh, yeah. His Twitter handle is KJ Martin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that, yeah. but it's, again, it's another guy that doesn't play. I mean, look mm-hmm. at this. They're playing outside of all Depot. They played one, two, three, four. They played eight guys and Anthony lamb doesn't even have a headshot on NBA.com in the box score. Okay. Uh, Anthony lamb, Ken KJ Martin, Mason Jones, Kevin Porter, all G league guys. Kevin Porter is a former first round pick. So, he has the potential, but G League guy just come back from the G League. Same with Justin Patton. Jay Sean Tata is second or is an undrafted free agent. Sterling Brown's a G League guy who worked his way back. They're, they're literally outside of Vic playing a G League team. Uh, and still they were competitive tonight. I thought they were gonna win. I was I was hyped. I thought they were gonna come back and win. Yeah. But um this is the one place I'm keeping an eye. I mean, Old Depot's gotta be if, if any team watching right now has got to be like oh he's he's pretty close to all the way back right the way he's playing yeah great game tonight 
That so, maybe that'll be the biggest splash of the trade deadline. Like we talked about. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know what's funny is I was on Real GM, which is where I that website. It's one of those yeah. aggregating websites. And I see this headline. I didn't read the article, but um the headline for the article was executive says trade deadline will be boring. Oh, maybe he was listening to this show and, and correctly labeled you an executive. Yeah, it's possible, maybe. but uh, that's what I was saying. And I still stand by it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see where to go, where to go. Uh, there's, I think there's only two games left that we haven't talked about, right? Oh no, three. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Miami. So Miami, like I mentioned, they won their fifth game in a row. They've now won. I keep forgetting the numbers, but it's something like 12 of 13 or 11 of 12. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And even going back to since Jimmy Butler came back from COVID, it's like 16 and five or something like that. They're, they're legitimately the hottest team in the NBA. One of the hottest teams in the NBA outside of probably Brooklyn right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because de- defensively, like I said, they held Cleveland and not that it's an, any like massive accomplishment to hold Cleveland under hundred points, but this is now the 12th game this year that they've won holding a team under hundred. The only team that's done that in the league this year is the Lakers and they're tied with the Lakers at 12. They're just defensively playing on a different level right now. Yeah. And to, and in this game in particular, the one the the biggest adjustment that I think will be huge for them going forward, and we'll also see what happens with them in the, at the trade deadline because there was a report. Kevin O'Connor uh, said that the Heat and the and the Thunder are in discussion right now uh, for uh, to send Trevor Ariza to Miami. For can I you guess? That. Can you guess what for? <laughs> Myers Leonard in there. Well, I don't know. They're going to, I guess they have to send something money wise, but no, they're asking for a second round pick. Okay. Then, for Trevor yeah. Ariza. Just do it. Like, yeah, I know, but it's just funny. It's like yeah. Sam Presti's asking for a second round pick. <laughs> right. I think most people probably didn't even realize Ariza's on. No. Twitter. Yeah. That's crazy. But, anyways, no, the biggest adjustment that I noticed today or noticeably was that Precious does not play. And Kelly Olinick, although started at the four, ended up being the backup five too. So when Bam was out, Kelly Olenek was back in playing the five, which is what they, I think it makes them a much better offensive team all around. And if they, obviously if they go out and get a four, a stretch four that can replace him in the starting lineup, it could be, this team's going to be super dangerous, super dangerous. I mean, they already are obviously, but. um, Yeah, I I think. Kelly Olenek coming off the bench as a five. The way he's been playing at the five becomes one of the better starting or one of the better backup fives because of his versatility. Yeah. Right. If, if they can get in a position where he is a backup big, then and they make a real upgrade there, then I mean, it's it's, it's really exciting because their start was just so disappointing, you know, after that run. So I, I was super bummed about that. And now I'm glad that they're going to be, it looks like, as good as we thought they could have been beginning of the year. I would tell you this I think Heat Twitter loves how this has all gone down because they love being and I think any, any well no I think any fan base loves this but they love like pulling up the tweets and like the video clips and all that stuff of people saying they were a fluke after like 10 oh years. yeah yeah mm-hmm. you know because there's a lot of them I mean, there's a lot of them 
And then, and Heat Twitter's like all, they're all over it. They got the receipts. Nice. They, we they never went that far. We said it was panic time, but we never labeled that a fluke last year. And you know, it, it, we underestimated, and, and I'm sure a lot of other people underestimated, just the toll that the short term, we, even though we talked about it constantly, we just underestimated, I think, the toll that the short turnaround and guys sitting out because of COVID protocols really took on all these teams. Yeah. Because now we're seeing a, a lot of these teams that we expected to be good are good. And a lot of that is just getting healthy. Yep. And that's kind of what I feel. That's why I'm confident Boston gets it right. Because unless I'm just totally forgetting somebody, I think Butler with the Heat and Jason Tatum in Boston are the two, like when the best player on the team had to miss a ton of time because of COVID, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's one of the ones where we sort of disagree. And I, it's mainly because I just don't think, I think Boston really just didn't get better in the off season. Yeah. I, I overestimated, possible. Possible. I overestimated Tristan Thompson get that signing for them. And I mm-hmm. underestimated losing Gordon Hayward, which most people did. Yeah. Say they're they're relying on a lot of young guys that are just not that great yet. Yeah. So but we'll see. I they're still obviously a playoff team and a tough out for anybody because they have two of the best players in the league. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right, last two games, Lakers. Uh, they beat the T Wolves one thirty seven one twenty one. Trez, this is good for the Lakers actually, and maybe. Maybe again, this is maybe one of those things where an Anthony Davis injury, as long as he comes back healthy and and right later in the year, becomes a blessing in disguise because Trez has been playing great for them. And for a lot of the year, it seemed like he didn't really fit. Like mm-hmm. he just didn't seem like the same guy as last year. He's had a couple of these games lately where he's just putting up monster numbers. Right. And that could also be I've just been like a you know, getting his feet wet and getting used to playing with guys around him. So yeah, he had such a rapport with Lou Will. Yeah. And 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 yeah, uh, so maybe he's developing that sort of thing with Schroeder and uh like KCP and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. Also, they uh Marcus Saul hasn't been playing for them, and there was a lot of rumors that they are not really happy with the Marcus Saul experiment and that they really well, he can't go. move. I I saw I think I mentioned that he literally can't move, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's done with, but yeah. Well, I, but like, you know, we, we talked about it in the playoffs last year. And a lot of times with this team, they're better when Anthony Davis is at the five. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it comes down to like important minutes in the playoffs, it's going to be AD in there at the five anyways. So, yeah, but I just mean in, in the short term, like he's, he's just like a brick wall out there in a bad way. Yeah. Well, this kid, Damian Jones, who I actually mentioned on the other podcast I do about the heat as a guy that the heat should look at. Uh, he barely ever played in Golden State, but he has two titles from from being on that team. <laughs> he's just a young center. Now he's starting in place of Gasol and giving them good minutes. Yeah, he's really athletic. I, I watched him the other night. He, he gives them a little spark just with his energy and athleticism. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then the last game from tonight was Chicago OKC. As I said, OKC has gotten to the point in their season where outside of Shea Gilgis Alexander and the kid uh, Maladon, who was I think of their first round pick this year, uh, they are they're throwing a G League team out there. Yeah, yeah, it's and, really bad. 
and I think now they're they're finally getting to the point in the season where I said they would be earlier in the season, which was getting pounded out every night. Yeah, they got lumberjack tonight. Um, lumberjack. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, the, I was the whole episode. I was sitting on a, a new one to throw out there. I just made it up completely. It's not an actual term. I like it though. I think okay. I like lumberjacked. Yeah, they got they got totally lumberjacked. Yeah, one twenty three, one hundred two. Yeah, they made a little bit of a run. And you know what's funny? It's already happening because I, I like I, I always mention Twitter because I like seeing these team Twitters because these t- mm-hmm. there's these team accounts are nuts. Thunder fans are already starting to be like, is Moses Brown like a legit backup center like down the line? Because he had 20 and 16 tonight. And I, I've talked about it a bunch on about how this is what happens with bad teams. Like you see a, a G League guy come in and have a great game. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this guy can play for us. Right. No, well, you also just lost by 21 points. Yeah. <laughs> now, it is possible that there are some NBA keepers on this roster, but like at the most one or two, you know, like. No, 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 no. The, the, these guys can play. Like this guy, the guy who you said looks sickly. Yeah. Like I said, he doesn't look well at all. Yeah. A lot of OKC people have been really high on him since before the season. Like they, they've yeah. been high on this guy. He's just young. My God, he's seven foot one ninety five. He's listed at one ninety. That's almost impossible, bro. Yeah, and like Maladon and Shea, obviously, are very good players. Ty Jerome was a first round pick a couple years ago. Uh, like the, Lou Dort is not playing. They didn't play Svi, who was active, which is again, which is another thing. I played Svi in Fanduel because I was like, uh, I was like, well, if you're gonna trade Hamadou Diallo for him. And you're a bad team. Just throw him in there. They didn't play him. He was available, so I don't know why he didn't play. Weird. Um, that was a sneeze. I was outstanding. I didn't. Did you mute yourself? I uh, muted I myself. I muted. Oh, wow, myself. that was some sleight of hand. Um, but so I mean, they're just yeah. It's it's a weird. I, I and I, I you know what else is interesting that I was thinking about because early in the game they were just getting blown out. Mm-hmm. They did make a little bit of a run, but I was wondering, like, and I feel like I've I've seen this before. If you're a team, a young team like this, you kind of know coming into the season that you're you're not like we're not contending. We're a while away. We know what we are. NBA players are smart enough to know, right? But then when your front office trades Hamadou Diallo. There's got to be a part of you as a team that's like, man, they really don't give a fuck about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless there's something behind the scenes where like he was just like a dick or like doing something crazy. Like that move is exactly like you're saying, where guys have to be looking around like he's one of the most athletic dudes in the whole locker room. Like, what are we getting rid of him for? Yeah, like aren't, um, isn't the idea to develop young talent? Like, yeah, why are we which, why are we moving on from this guy? Yeah. For a second round pick. It honestly and, reminds and, me. And what was it? What was it that that guy tweeted the other day? Oh, oh, for a Wi-Fi password in a 13-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one yeah, of the that all-time was, greatest tweets ever. Yeah, Someone tweeted classic. Oh, OKC just traded Hamadou Diallo for a Wi-Fi password in a 13-year-old because it's a 20, 20, 2027 second round pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's excellent. But no, that trade reminds me honestly of when the Sixers traded away Jeremy Grant. Like it was like why why? Like what we're, we're dog shit. Why not just see what he becomes, you know? 
And Hamadou Diallo is having a good year. Like I think when they I traded know. away when they traded Jeremy Grant, you saw like some athletic upside. Hamadou Diallo is actually starting to put together like a good season. Yeah. And they've been competitive. Like their record is much better than it should have been. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder when you're a team that's young and you're, you know, you start to bond, especially in a city like OKC, the whole thing with that organization has been how like they bond and it's like a family type of organization and all that. And then we're competing when we shouldn't be and we're starting to play well for this young coach. And then we trade away this kid who has all the upside in the world. It's just a weird, it's gotta be a weird vibe for that team. Just like, and this isn't even a knock on Svi. Maybe Svi will be good for them. They don't have a lot of shooting and he's a shooter, but I would be wondering if I was on that roster, just like everybody else is wondering, but I would be, if I was a player, I'd be like, ah, this is a little weird. Did you see my Hamadou Diallo top shot text? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw He's down to 26 bucks. Grab him. It's essentially a rookie card. It's his only moment. One of 12,000 on the thunder. Maybe I did sell my first top shot. I do have some cash floating Mm. in my dapper account. Your liquid, your little, your your liquid. But then, but now I'm starting to regret that I sold it. You can't do that. You're up. You made a profit. I did. I made $70, but it was Victor Oladipo who I do think is going to get traded. And I feel like the value would have gone up, but he is part of that challenge. So right. I don't know. Yeah. If it, it's one of 35,000. That's why I don't think it's. Oh, I fucked up. I fucked why? up. Because the challenge ends after the trade deadline. So he yeah, would but... get traded and he'd be part of the challenge. The value would have, is going to be way right. higher. I, I just think that everyone that's trying to complete that challenge is well, you know, in that process. Like I think. There's not that many people left that are trying to complete that challenge. Is my what I think. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Because it's a, it's a, it's the one where you only need like five. Yeah, and you get like Mike Conley like making a layup or something. It's his All Star thing. It, yeah. it, they, they, they released it after because he was a replacement. Yeah. What a night tonight was for Top Shot. Electric. Yeah. I got, I got you, a pack. You got a pack. I did not. Got a nice little Devin Booker. It's going low ask right now is 65 bucks on the marketplace. Love it. Wondering if I should just go ahead and flip that bad boy. I think you should. It's the one of 35,000. coming. Ooh, all right. It went away. Oh, okay. Stand by. We should probably end this show. Is that, yeah, I'm, should we wrap? Is that this? Yeah. yeah. I think this, this sneezing situation is about to get pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, we could talk more about top shot tomorrow. We'll yeah. see. Maybe by tomorrow I've sold my Devin Booker. I think if I'm going to become not a, a reason to come back tomorrow to listen. I don't know what it is. I think I'm going to become a flipper. I, I hate to hear that, but you know, I'm in this long term. I'm a collector. Yeah, but I think part of being a flipper is the potential to get yeah, something I, rare too, right? Like if the key is going to be getting this Kyrie th- this Kyrie Irving thing off my hands, so I can yeah. start no dabbling exactly. in some more expensive moments. I traded my uh, yeah. I flipped my Jalen Brown for a hundred something and got Tyrese Maxey. So hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. You're a flipper too. Yeah. I have ten moments now. Ten moments too, actually. Um, I get D'Angelo Russell. Nice. Have you made a showcase? Now that's where it's at, dude. Yeah, but what am I going to (laughs) showcase? Just the. Here's my showcase of random moments mm-hmm. that have no real connection to each other. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> Will the showcase like raise the value, maybe? 
maybe if somebody sees it and is like, holy shit, these clips go together so well, I need to <laughs> also buy all these moments. Or just uh, put Mike Conley, Victor Oladipo, Kyrie Irving, and just make it a showcase of people who have been all-stars yeah, at one point. That should boost the value. You know who had a really good game tonight, even though they lost? Hashtag free JaVale McGee. Oh, what did he do tonight? He had... He had... 16-8. Because the Heat, they, he was in there when the Heat were playing zone, and they were just throwing it over yeah, the top. How can you say this is going to be a boring trade deadline when he could get moved? I mean, that's not boring. That's electric. He's going to go get his fourth ring, something like that? Fourth ring. Yeah. He's going to etch his name as one of the greatest role players to ever play in the NBA. Yep. That's pretty right exciting. To, right next to Robert Ory. Robert Ory and JaVale McGee. Steve Kerr, Derek Fisher. Mm-hmm. Right up there with all those guys. JaVale McGee. He's going to have this. He's going to – how poetic is it? He's going to have the same amount of championships as one Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Full, that's some real full circle oh, stuff If right he gets there. to five and calls out Shaq, that would be – just beautiful yes it's got to happen yes he's got to go to the lakers or the nets mm-hmm. got it and i and <laughs> no, i think the lakers are and the nets are the two teams that i've seen that potentially have interest in him because he's an easy contract to trade for oh i can't wait yeah this is a long-term thing for us now yep yeah all right well we got eight days and alex won't be here But he will be here tomorrow, and so will I. We'll see you guys then. 